0: Well, this has been a full weekend for me, and perhaps for some of you. It has certainly been a full weekend for Wes. Some of you have been like me here. Um, it, it is a, an all Wes, all weekend kind of uh, kind of time. We started Friday evening. Many of us gathered for a candlelight vigil as communities of faith and other organizations lit up 16th Street, and they did light it up from the White House all the way here to Silver Spring. Those candles, preparing the way for the march the next day, we called that vigil not a protest but a promise, a commitment of communities to working toward making our neighborhoods and our cities and our country safe for all who are part of them. That vigil Friday night, we had neighbors streaming in from the neighborhood to join us. We had folks from other faith communities, and of course, West members, including chorus members and the parents of actors and actors during their break as they were rehearsing for our winter festival. It was quite a group gathered together. Then yesterday morning some of us were down on uh, at Freedom Plaza marching to the Capitol there was a group from West and I keep hearing about other folks who weren't with us and our banner but who were there at the march as well in that crowd. And then we came back here and got dressed up cuz of course it was winter festival in the evening. <laughs> and what a winter festival it was. It was so beautiful and sweet and good to be together. Some of those decorations, as Susan mentioned, are still up, and I was thinking about the mind meld. Shirley Storms created this beautiful poster for our month of celebration, not knowing what the decorations for Winter Festival would be, and it seems that Shirley and Susan had the same images, the same colors in their minds. Shirley, Susan, and Molly, a new member who worked on decorations this year. That Winter Festival, the music last night, the peace spiral, the candle lighting, the termites. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask someone. They were an integral part, really, of Winter Festival, the termites. There was a child I was sitting near before Winter Festival, and it was his first one with us, and he said he was so excited that he didn't yet know what his favorite part would be, but that he would tell me later. And I loved the surety that there would be a favorite part. It was the cookie walk, by the way. (laughs) He found me and let me know. (laughs) I love our big celebrations here at West celebrations like Winter Festival and Stone Soup, Spring Festival. I'm so grateful for those who created and nurtured them and who continue them now and the way that they shape the year for us. You know, we mark the ages of the children in our community by the first year they carried the cup on their own with the candle in it, and then the first year when we were not worried they would drop that cup and burn Main Hall down. (laughs) (laughs) Those celebrations speak to our deep values as a community, to what binds us together. You might have noticed or heard this morning as Susan shared our statement of purpose as we do every Sunday morning. There's a line in there I love we joyfully celebrate together. It's right there in who we are and who we want to be. And I think it's easy to imagine that those big celebrations, that Winter Festival and Stone Soup and Spring Festival, that those are what we're talking about, you know, when we joyfully celebrate together in our statement of purpose. And, of course, we are. We are talking about those big moments, those big festivals. But not only, I think. And that's what I'd like to think about together today. There are two other important ways, I think, that we celebrate together joyfully. There's a lot of advice that clergy folks get in seminary as we're preparing, especially about preaching, about speaking on Sunday morning, as you can imagine. You're told to only uh, only give one sermon at a time. That's a biggie. Don't try to have four that you've mushed together, you know. One, one at a time. Same goes for platforms, I think. They tell you not to talk about your own pain until you've experienced some healing around it and can talk about it safely. I always thought that was a good one. And then, this might be my favorite. There are 52 equal Sundays, they tell you. 52 equal Sundays. That last one is the hardest, perhaps, for those of us that are responsible for Sunday mornings. Sunday, it turns out, you might not be aware of this, comes every week, actually. <laughs> it's like regular almost, every seven days. And, and along about Thursday, I frequently think, gosh, again? <laughs> yes, again, three days. Now, I love Sundays, favorite part of my job, no question. I love the experience of seeing people come in, watching them gather of what it is that we're doing together for this hour we have. But every Sunday, you know, all year... (laughs) It's tempting, I think, to think that we need breaks. And, of course, this congregation many years ago did take breaks. It took a big break in the summertime. And there are other communities that do that, that take breaks over the summer or at other times. But what I learned, that 52 equal Sundays. The reason that's important, they told us, is that for someone... That Sunday after Christmas when most people are recovering from the holiday or spending it with their family. For one person, that's the most important Sunday. That's the day they really need to come to see a friendly face or to get a hug, to sing together. For someone that Sunday or another one, the Sunday that we could just easily say, well, <laughs> just forget about it again already. It's the most important Sunday. And our job as a congregation is to make sure that when that person comes in every single Sunday, that we have created something that respects that it's the most important one for them. A Sunday morning that matters. Minor side note. That doesn't mean that every person will like everything every Sunday. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> I actually guarantee that not everyone likes everything on e- well I know not everyone likes everything on every Sunday because then, you know, I get an email about it. <laughs> I guarantee that everyone won't or that already you don't. <laughs> In a community of our size and our diversity of backgrounds, we all have a favorite kind of music and a music we can't stand. We all have a favorite ritual or a total and complete allergy to all rituals, and so on and so on. Part of celebrating together as a community is that we are present for and at least superficially open to or able to tolerate (laughs) another person's Sunday morning to each other's favorites, each other's experiences, that we understand that this isn't a Sunday morning crafted just exactly for us, but created by and for a whole community of people. Which sometimes means that I read a poem that you really dislike, and you just think to yourself, well, I guess someone likes that poem. (laughs) Occasionally, it's literally only me, but... So 52 equal Sundays. To me, it's about the importance of celebrating together, of being together. And remember, the next phrase in the statement of purpose is that we support each other. That's a huge part of what Sunday is about, too, about who we are together as a community. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other. There's another piece of speaking, preaching advice, which is especially highlighted in the African-American preaching tradition, and that's that every Sunday, every single one of those 52 (laughs) ends with hope, with celebration. The phrase that's often used is, don't end on a negative text, which means you can talk about the hard stuff whether it's theological or social or political. In fact, you have to talk about the hard stuff, right? That's what makes a community important. But that you also find in there and end with a message that helps you to go on in the week. I've been thinking today about our brothers and sisters in historically black congregations where, as you might have heard, some of those denominations have called on folks to wear black for Black Lives Matter Sunday. All through churches in this city and across the country, people are coming dressed in black, and I've been thinking about the work that those preachers will do, preaching on a very challenging social text and bringing a message of hope, too. I'm thinking, too, about how important those congregations, how important historically African-American congregations have been in political and social justice movements in this country and have been grateful for their voices raised and raised now, even as I know that this movement now is being led in many ways by young people who are not part of those institutions. But grateful for that witness. 52 equal Sundays, each ending with a celebration, but not forgetting to support each other while we're at it. Every week that comes. <laughs> I think we often imagine that supporting each other line as being about how we support each other in challenging times. And that's right, of course. Our congregation is in some places, in some ways, the place where we live out whatever is the opposite of schadenfreude. <laughs> you know, schadenfreude is the happiness at the misfortune of others, <laughs> You know, it's been immortalized. My favorite use of it actually is in the song of the same name from the musical Avenue Q. I kind of love all the songs in Avenue Q. Only about half of them we could talk about on Sunday morning, I would say. But uh, but the, the song, this song, Schadenfreude, goes right now you are down and out and feeling really crappy, I'll say, and when I see how sad you are, it sort of makes me happy, happy. Sorry, Nikki, human nature, nothing I can do, it's Schadenfreude, makes me feel glad that I'm not you. <laughs> the song is hilarious, as is the whole musical. And it's kind of true, frankly, there is something in human nature that gives us at times a kind of secret pleasure when someone, especially, of course, someone who is high and mighty or a little obnoxious or particularly self-satisfied, when that person is taken down a notch or two. But a community like Wes, I think, is about the opposite of schadenfreude, it's about caring about each other and mourning together when someone has a sadness, whether it's a deep grief or a minor setback. It's about bringing casseroles to each other and tissues to each other and sharing the pain, sharing the load as much as we are able. And West does this so well, so beautifully as a community. I think about our Remembrance Day at the end of October each year when we light our candles of loss and memory and about how the power of that moment is not just in each of us speaking aloud the name of the person that we have lost. The power is in the waiting community that hears the name the power is in the container that, that we create together, the way that we hold each other's grief and each other's love and each other's memories. But how do we do this with each other's celebrations? Those of you who are members of this community get occasionally carrying news emails. Usually that lets you know about a member who is ill, perhaps, or has a special need that someone might be able to fill. Sometimes those carrying News announce a death. This fall, I sent out a couple of wedding announcements by Caring News, and I was so struck that people wrote me back and said, thank you for sharing this. I need this, too. I need to know this, too, about our community. It can be challenging, I think, in a community like ours to celebrate when we know that not everyone is having a happy moment. It can be challenging to find the way to to sort of uh, honor and welcome those that are full of joy when we are not all. I'm in a clergy support group, have been for many, many years. It's a place where a small number of clergy gather, and people bring challenges that they might be experiencing in their congregations. Obviously, you all never give me any problems. So, But one person in this group felt uncomfortable talking about how great things were going in her community. She wasn't sure if she could bring in a voice of, it's awesome right now to a place where people were holding hard things. A true community, though, creates space for all of that, creates space and welcomes people who are struggling and also people who are celebrating. It feels awkward sometimes, I think, really. You know, how do I share this great thing that's happened to me when I know that the person next to me is having a hard time? It can feel painful, too, to be the person struggling and see that others are doing well that week. I think it's important to remember the that week part. We all have our ups and downs, and it is true that some lives seem to hold more hard moments than others. But most of us, over the course of our lifetimes, we experience moments of joy and moments of loss, too. Maybe the opposite of schadenfreude isn't supporting each other in sadness but being happy for each other's joy, (laughs) finding in our hearts the ability to experience both empathy at someone's loss and also empathy at someone's joy, holding their joy, too, in our hearts. So I wanted to to give us a chance to do that today, to explore what it means like to joyfully celebrate together as a community, not our big community celebrations only, but also the little parts of our lives that bring us joy, that inspire us, that give us a sense of satisfaction or accomplishment or just silly, goofy happiness the things that bring us commitment and confidence and hope in life. If our ushers will begin to take our little stars, they're going to come down and pass stars, and I invite you to take one and pass it along. There should be plenty, and they have some pens as well, although not enough pens for everyone, so if you have a pen in your purse, grab your pen. Our children... Our children were given these stars last week, and they were invited, as they began their exploration of celebration, they were invited to write on the star something that they were celebrating, something that brought them joy. We got a lot of... um, we got a lot of uh, celebrating Christmas or my birthday in particular, a lot of that. Someone was really celebrating New Year's Eve. I don't know what happens. Some my kids go to sleep early on New Year's Eve, but well, that's the parties there. It's worth celebrating, yeah. We got cheer. Someone was celebrating cheer. Someone else celebrated the chance to have mushroom turnovers at Thanksgiving, which I loved for its specificity someone celebrated when her baby brother was born. Our children writing down what they were celebrating. All birthdays, someone said. Everyone's. And so I invite you to think about what you are celebrating today. Sometimes that celebration might be very simple, A friend of mine posted on Facebook yesterday that they were reminded of a friend who had been lost in years past, but who celebrated anything and everything. She said she would have loved yesterday, 12, 13, 14, a cause for celebration, a date that runs so beautifully and won't come again, they say, for, what is it, 70 years, more than that, 80 Sometimes our celebrations are hard-fought. I found a little poem by Lucille Clifton I just loved. Won't you celebrate with me, she wrote. Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up, here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand, come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Hard-won, sometimes, celebration. Sometimes every day it's a battle to find it. And sometimes it's easy. I asked this question on Facebook a couple of months ago, what do you celebrate? What means celebration to you? And I wanted to share a couple of the responses people shared. Dana Pope, who isn't here because she has driven up to Vermont to finish her grad school education, wrote December 20th, let's see, that's in six days from today, when I will be done with grad school, (laughs) Election night, 2008, someone said. Walking through the end of a rainbow as we placed my father's ashes into a lake in northern Ontario. According to one child, literally anytime time she hears Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, no matter what else is going on, a moment for celebration. <laughs> New Year's Eve, 1999. A letter from dissertation advisors. Discovery of a community of peace, joy, and inclusiveness. Getting offered for the first time a full-time job with no expiration date that would enable me to pay rent every month. The moment when I walked out of a hospital after eight months when they didn't expect me to walk out at all the births of my babies. All these celebrations, big and small, moments in our own lives and moments, too, in our life together, our community life together.